if you do really good work for people and you show them that you can add value to them, their communities, their audiences, the only way you get to where you want to go in this world is with the help of other people. the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful, positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both people who do well and do good. Discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Brought to you by your host, Dorothy Ilson. What's up and welcome On this show, my guests are all very different, but they share one important understanding, that achieving tremendous financial success and making a massive difference can go hand in hand. They believe, as I do, that creating wealth is the greatest multiplier in your ability to maximize your positive impact on the world and to experience a truly fulfilled life. I'm thrilled to announce our guest today, John Belcher. John got his start working at Google on the AdWords team. While there, he saw a gap between the average company's advertising goals and their ability to actually leverage paid traffic to achieve them profitably. John has personally managed over $5 million in ad spend, consulted on another $20 million, and helped clients to raise Series A funding, five times their monthly recurring revenue in eight short months, and implement tracking and analytics systems to understand which marketing channels are driving the results for their businesses. John prides himself on his ability to effectively teach others and has a passion for helping people to discover their value. He gives back extensively by donating his time to help people acquire the skills they need to be able to earn more money, support their families, and better their lives. John, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for having me, Dorothy. Obviously, you know I'm a huge fan of yours, so excited to be here. Thank you. So, John, why don't you go ahead and expound on that intro and tell us a little more about yourself? So, I mean, what you said really sums up in the big scheme of things, we work in the internet marketing industry. There's a lot of people out there that are kind of the, the gurus and the thought leaders and the people that are always growing and changing. And what I've found that I'm really good at, I, I kind of consider all those people Batman. They're like the people who are leading the charge. They want to be the superhero. I'm a really good Robin. I'm really good at supporting people that have, they, I can see what the value is inside of them. And my role is not being the ingenious person that's coming up with these great new ideas. It's trying to help be the, the person. I, I'm a very analytical, technical person trying to help amplify what it is that they're doing and provide structure to it and help them understand, measure, track those pieces. And so that's what I do on a daily basis. My passion, though, my secret passion that I'm working to continue to fulfill is talking with people and helping them understand how to better communicate their value. Whether you're going to be an entrepreneur, work inside of a business, if you're going to grad school, whatever those things are. It's understanding how to articulate your value in someone else's words. That's what I absolutely love to do. So I donate my time to helping people figure out how to do that. That's so important. So John, I'd like to start with a question that I frequently ask to set the stage. And that's what beliefs about money did your family instill in you growing up? And can you tell me about how those beliefs were helpful or harmful to you in achieving success? Yeah. So from my background, money wasn't something that we talked about a lot. And it's one of those things that I was blessed to grow up. We never had money problems, but we also weren't the rich guys on the block. We were just kind of, it was status quo, life was fine. And and so what I learned from that is, what my parents taught me about is money's not what's most important. So it was instilling a very blue collar work ethic. I've been told by lots of people, 
you've got a huge amount of talent and a huge amount of ability to impact, but you were taught this blue collar mentality that's rare to see both of those things in a single person. And so it's very helpful because I'm always willing to work for what I really want to accomplish. Where I do think the downfall to that lifestyle is we didn't talk a lot about investing. It was one of those things where it was kind of being, it was a do-it-yourself lifestyle where it's been harder for me to learn how to go through and build a team because I'm so used to doing things myself and having a big cut of something and you know, 100% of your ROI versus going through and saying, oh, I'm only going to take a small portion. I'm going to hire somebody else to do this. So that's been a struggle for me as an entrepreneur is to go through and learn how to take less than 100% and really get through and start to build up a team. That was something that was a big adjustment for me. I'm starting to make that transition, but it was definitely a big deal. The other thing is just looking at it as an opportunity for value. So there's the piece in understanding your value and getting opportunities. That's something that I'm really, really good at. The hardest part for me was learning how to justify the compensation because you think that everyone is as good at you. Like I think that's something that we all naturally think is you're not naturally better than anyone. So you don't deserve the highest level of compensation. And that's something of where I've found is I deserve to be well compensated for my time and my work before the experience and the knowledge and the background that I work with. But I also like to create an advantageous situation for my clients. So I'm never the most expensive guy, but I always get an opportunity. If I help them perform, I can make a lot of money off of it. So it's really been a unique transition. It's been learning about money, basically, in my experience. So I know that was a long answer to your question, but I do think it's a really important thing to talk about. Absolutely. And I think that one thing that you know I know I've seen a lot is that people have a tendency to charge less than their worth because of you know either a lack of confidence or they just don't believe that someone will pay more than that or you know whatever it might be. So how did you sort of rewire your mindset to start charging what you are really worth? So for me, the biggest thing is I still like coming in for me, especially from the consulting standpoint or the agency standpoint, if you charge a high retainer, your clock is shorter. You have less amount of time to produce results. So unless you're, you know, your client has very proven marketing funnels and things that you don't have to come in and mess around with, you just run traffic. It's really hard to execute that quickly. And so that's the piece for me where I still look at it as an opportunity to say, how can I charge a fair price to get in here, understand what's going on, and get time to go through and help them fix things, but also have the upside to it? And so I create, I charge a very fair price for what it is that I do. I'm not the most expensive in the market. But what I do on the back end is I say, if I can help you achieve your goals, let's say you want to double the size of your business, that's going to give you X amount more profit. What's it worth to me? Like for me to put my time in, if I help you with all of this growth, what are you willing to do on the back end from a performance perspective to compensate me? And so that's a very, I've found that with other entrepreneurs and businesses in general, it's a very exciting discussion because that way we both have skin in the game. They're very excited about that. It's, it's a mutual incentive. And so I think at the end of the day, coming in when you're new and getting opportunities is very important. As you continue to grow in your entrepreneurial journey, find a way to have a mutually advantageous pricing strategy. But also understand that as you gain more experience and you have more success stories, you deserve to charge more upfront because of the success that you've seen. So never back down. And honestly, what I've gotten to the point is I want to have fewer and fewer clients because I don't enjoy the client work as much as I do teaching. So I tell people, I don't want to work with you because I don't like clients. So if you want me to work with you, you need to pay me more because it has to be really worth my time. And so that's kind of the way I've approached it. I don't know if that fully answers your question, but it's an interesting way to think about it. 
It does. And anyone who knows you well, John, knows that maintaining integrity in business is something that's very important to you. And there is often this perception, especially in the agency world, that businesses are greedy. They're only looking out for their bottom line you know, rather than that of their clients. So do you think that that shift in how you approach business is something that your clients recognize? And you know, have what has been your experience with the way that that changes how your clients show up and the way that they interact with you? Yeah, it's not, it's not an adversarial relationship. It's a partnership. And some people don't want that. They want to keep their clients at arm's length. They want to be focused on new client acquisition rather than client retention. That's not the game that I like to play. I like to work with people. You know, What I'm blessed with is all the people on my client roster are people that I like as humans. My models don't work with assholes. And so <laughs> that's just something from that perspective of I only work with people that I really enjoy and have built relationships now that span outside of the... I'm not an agency to them. I'm a part of their business. And that's something I really enjoy. And what I'm doing now with some clients is actually going in, helping them set up a team that's going to do what I do and replace myself because I don't like working with clients for an unending term. I want to be able to help them get to where they want to go, get compensated for it, and then be able to manage those things in-house. That's really my passion now is for placing myself. (laughs) So I just think those are things that align very clearly with what businesses want to accomplish. So my clients have really enjoyed me because they like that I'm business owner-minded rather than being focused on myself. So many clients have gotten burned. So I'm sure it is a refreshing change of pace. So looking back to the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey, of course, you know, you came from Google and Google being a massive corporation, about as different of an environment as you could imagine. So I'm curious if your entrepreneurial drive was something that really developed during your time there, or was that always a goal of yours? It's a great question. It's not something that I grew up thinking that was what I was going to do. I have friends that were that way. I actually, a good analogy is I had a, a couple friends and I grew up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, tiny little place, middle of nowhere, that grew up huge Notre Dame football fans and wanted to go to Notre Dame since they were like three. And I didn't know anything about Notre Dame until my junior year in high school. We all applied. I happened to be the only one that got in. And I, four, three years later, was able to walk onto the football team. So it was one of those things where like, I didn't grow up with the dream I've been able to make a dream come true that a lot of people had since they were little. And at times I kind of feel bad about it, but at the same time, you find what you love as you work through things. And so I think that when it comes to my entrepreneurial journey, when I graduated from Notre Dame, I went and worked at a company called Stryker Corporation, sold medical equipment for three years. Stryker is a very prestigious company, top 20 places to work for. And I found that I didn't, you know, while I enjoyed the people I worked with and the work I did, I didn't love the corporate environment. And I was, you know, kind of my drive to go work at Google was, I like the tech space. I'd love to learn more about this. And to be frank, like a little bit of the drive behind me was, it's the number one place in the world to work. So if I could like any corporation, this is probably the one that I would like. And so I went there, once again, loved what I did, loved the strategic side, what I was learning, didn't like the corporation. And so I was like, hey, if this is the best place in the world to work and I hate waking up in the morning, I got to go try something different. And so that's when I reached what I call... Pardon me, I don't know if we're going to bleep this out, but I call it the fuck it moment for every entrepreneur where you're like, you know what? I'm in my bed. I'm supposed to be with like my alarm clock's been going off for the last half an hour. I'm laying in bed. I hate what I'm doing. Fuck it. I'm done. And I remember that day because it was after I'd been at Google, I think for about six months, I called my dad and I was like, I hate this. I cannot stand 
waking up every morning. I was like, I love what I'm doing, but I don't like the way that I'm having to be told to do it inside a corporate structure. I was like, I can go do this on my own. And I know people need help with this. And he's like, just give it three more months. And I take my dad's advice on everything. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met. And so every day for the next 90 days, I woke up and I hated what I was doing more and more and more. Until that last week before I gave my two weeks notice, I literally couldn't get out of bed. I was like painful. And so I was like, almost at the point where I was like, I can't not try this. I have to try something. So I quit my job at Google with no plan. I was just like, I'm going to go figure this out. You know, a lot of people, when they leave Google, they're like, ex-Googler raises $20 million in capital for a brand new idea. I was ex-Googler, moved back to your parents' house in middle of nowhere, Wyoming, and started working with clients for free to figure out what your value was. And now, I, you know, July 1st, 2015 was my first year. So it's been three years almost exactly to the day that I left. And now three years later, I've got two companies. I get to teach. We've got over 7,000 students that add skills. And so it's been a journey of figuring out, once again, you have to understand what your value is to people. And that's why I talk with so many people about this, is understanding how can you help somebody else and how can you communicate it in their words so they just get it. They understand and they're willing to pay you for what you're doing. That is a huge opportunity that so many people work through. And so for me, entrepreneurship was not born with it. It was an absolute urgency, necessity to figure out what else could I be doing? So I don't know if that really answered your question, but I think it's a very important thing to see the background. It does. And obviously going from the corporate world into entrepreneurship and working for yourself, it is a massive adjustment. Could you talk about what the most challenging or some of the most challenging parts were for you in making that transition? Yeah. So there's a guy named Cameron Harold, a really important guy you should look up. He's a TEDx speaker. COO for a couple major $100 million companies in his tenure. And I ran into him at Baby Bathwater, which is an awesome thing. If you're in the entrepreneurial circle, check out Michael Lovich, Hollis Carter, Baby Bathwater. I put on amazing events. You can meet a ton of people that will change your life. But what I loved about his talk, he talked about something called the transition curve. And I'll send you the link. You can put it in the show notes. It's the emotional roller coaster for entrepreneurship. And that to me is way worse than anything else that comes on the actual physical side is just the emotions that come with it. And what I love is my experience, there's like the ups and downs, the oh shit moment, the excitement, the depression, the severe depression, the thought of like, I can't do this. And then all of a sudden you kind of come out of it and you see it's possible. And then it's just, you head back into it and it's like a bigger hump the next time, this curve that you go through. But it's really important to know that everybody goes through that. And so that's one thing I want to make sure, whether you're brand new or you're someone has been doing this for 20 years, if you don't realize that there's an actual like system and process to the emotions of entrepreneurship, there is. Everybody goes through the same stages. It's very important to understand that. The biggest thing for me was understanding that if you do really good work for people and you show them that you can add value to them, their communities, their audiences, the only way you get to where you want to go in this world is with the help of other people. And so what I found really incredible with entrepreneurship is I put in hours and hours and days and weeks and months of work. And people see the value in that. It adds up over time. And so my business partner at AdSkills, his name is Justin Brooke. I was able to leverage Justin's 12, 13 years in the industry, all of the people he's gained their trust. When he asked me to be his business partner, I automatically jumped 12 years of work. Just because they're like, Justin's like, John's a good guy, you should listen to him. 
Wow. And I've had several people in the world, you know, Tom Breeze with the YouTube advertising, Mike Rhodes, Kurt Malley, some of these really big individuals in this world that have spent a really long time building their own reputation. I've added value to them and their community and they turn around and give me their endorsement. And so the biggest thing is, regardless of how big you are, how long you've been doing this or what level you're at, gaining the trust and respect of other people is worth far more in your life than any amount of deals you could ever get. Because when the second you have someone that is highly trusted and respected turn around and say, you should listen to this person, you just tapped into an audience and what I call skipping the line in your, you know, the ride for the roller coaster, you just skip 10 years. And I think that's the biggest thing is you cannot get to the level you want to by yourself. You have to show your value to other people and they will help you cut the line to get to where you want to go. Relationships are absolutely the most important thing in business. And I think it's something that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Now, you have had a number of powerful partnerships that have really allowed you to you know, skip the line, as you say. So you know, what advice would you have for someone who's considering entering into a partnership? And really, how can you best avoid those horror stories that you hear about partnerships that go south? So while I've had a couple notable ones that are great, I've also had one that was really bad. And I think that's what's important to talk about is the goods and the bad. So everyone wants to talk about how they're you know, successful overnight millionaire in the entrepreneurship world. And they don't talk about the really hard times. And so the worst thing is when you have a partnership with people that you like and you respect, but it's just not the right fit. And that was kind of what my failed partnership looked like was really liked the people I was partnered with. It just wasn't the right fit from a cultural perspective, from the way we thought about how we should treat customers and really the way that we thought about producing value. And so once again, it all comes for me back to the value perspective is what are we producing? My name is attached to this. This is something when you think about it long-term, once again, you're either... The only thing that happens in entrepreneurship is you build relationships to help you skip the line or they push you back in line. That's literally the only thing that happens. And so as you're thinking about partnerships, what I would really look at is you can talk with stuff about legal perspectives and making sure like, make sure you get an LLC and not a partnership agreement. Cause that way you're personally liable, those types of things. There's all the little details when it comes to partnership. What I have found is that your gut is never wrong with people. You know, I'm a big believer in the Malcolm Gladwell book blink where you can kind of tell in the first, there's just something that you can tell very quickly. You either love the people that I've run into that I'm like, you just said a couple things that I absolutely love. And Dorothy, you're one of those people. Like, I could tell in the first couple minutes, I was like, she's going to be a rock star. I'm a huge fan of hers. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, but at the same time, there's sometimes there's people that you're like, I like you, but I can tell there's a fundamental difference here. And so what I would say when it comes to partnerships is obviously look at all the rational sides of things, but you have to trust your gut and say, this is going to be amazing or this is going to be a problem. And what I've found is the people that are very cutthroat and always talking about growth at any cost. One of the things I learned from a guy I met at Baby Bath Water, once again, I'll bring that background, was that he said, growth for growth's sake is the worst thing you could ever do. I thought that was very interesting. I was like, yeah, I believe in a thing called sustained growth or controlled growth is you want to be always growing, but you have to have the foundation in place to sustain your growth. And if you don't have the foundation, you can build a skyscraper, but it's going to tip over. And that's what he experienced with some of the biggest, like he's built $100 million brands. And he said his first three businesses burned out because they grew too fast. And so what I found with the people that I want to be working with is we all want to keep growing. We want to make money. We want to do well for our customers. But what's most important is that we can sustain what we're doing and scale with it 
rather than trying to scale before we've got the foundation in place. And so I think that's the biggest thing is making sure the mentality of the people that you're working with, you want people that'll push you and that complement your weaknesses. But at the end of the day, it's really important to be on the same page when it comes to the basic fundamentals of beliefs. I was having a conversation recently with a gentleman who said something very similar to what you did of you know really being more of a, a Robin than a Batman. And he was expressing that he knows that a partnership is what he needs, but was struggling with how to actually find that person or those people. So what would you say to someone who you know is looking for a partnership, but really doesn't know where to look? It's kind of like trying to ask for a match.com with entrepreneurship. I think that's the thing is if you go looking for love, you're probably not going to find it. What I've found when you run across people that are really good partners, you find them in the places you never expect. You know, it was just kind of one with Justin and, and Justin and, and his wife, Shauna Brooke, they are my business partners. And just Shauna doesn't get talked about a lot, but Shauna should. Shauna's incredible. I reached out to them when I joined what was at one point DMBI, which is now Ad Skills, just to ask some questions. And I wanted to do a profile on them because I thought they were really interesting in the way they'd approach things. And you know, got an opportunity to demonstrate my value by building this YouTube course. And it went really well. People loved it and continued to build more courses and just provide value, provide value. And they approached me about it. I hadn't even thought about the partnership thing. And so that's one... You don't go looking for these things. Mm -hmm. The other person that I don't have a partnership yet with yet, but I'm absolutely going to at some point is a guy I met in a WeWork in Seattle when I was still figuring stuff out. We both just had a desk there for a way to get out of the house, which from any entrepreneurial perspective, number one piece of advice is get out of the house. It makes a huge difference. But he's one of my favorite people in the world, got the best heart, and he's an absolute stud. Built and sold six companies by the age of 26. The guy understands he's a COO just ninja. And I was like, I want to work with this guy at some point. And you find people that along your path that you're going to bookmark and say, they may not be the right time right now, but I know at some point I would like to work with this person. And I just want to figure out how I can make that happen. So when it comes out of the partnership side, be working in the circles that you want to find people, but don't approach people about partnerships until you get a better understanding of them and what they're all about. That absolutely makes sense. And so changing tracks a little bit, you have talked about how you know, one of your passions, especially when it comes to giving back, is by working with individuals to help them see their value. So for any of our listeners who wrestle with self-doubt or a lack of confidence, what would you say to them? So the analogy I always give when I talk to kids at college is I've got a $100 bill in my hand. And I ask every single person on the front row, I'll be like, Okay, each one of you, what is this $100 bill worth? And they all look at me like I'm stupid. And then I'm like, no, this is not a trick question. What's this $100 bill worth? And I point them one at a time. Everyone says $100, right? $100 is worth $100. But then I ask each one of those people what they would do with $100. Everyone gives me a different answer. Some people would save it. Some people would take their girlfriend out to a movie. Some people would buy something. Some people would invest it. Everyone has a different vision for what they want to do with that $100. So the biggest thing that I can recommend is don't walk in and talk about how you're an engineer or how you've done this or you're interested in that or you like marketing or you want to do Facebook ads. Talk about what that person wants to do and then show the experiences you've had in your life that can help them achieve that goal. Those are the two types of value. There's universal value. $100 bill is worth $100 and there's unique value. What's this worth to that person? And so by personalizing 
whatever that value is that you're providing, you know, if you know how to code in JavaScript, don't say you know how to code in JavaScript. Ask them what they want to be able to do with JavaScript and show them how you have the skills. Because once again, all you're trying to do is get someone to talk about themselves. Whenever someone talks about themselves, they get happy feelings, right? I love Dorothy because all you're doing right now is letting me talk about myself. There's like these bubbly feelings. And so that's what we try and do with every single person we work with is let's talk about your goals, your desires. What can we do to help you get there? Is this the right fit? And so I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to the self-confidence perspective with entrepreneurship. You know what you're good at, what you've got background in, and where maybe your areas that you want to have opportunities that you don't have the experience. You can figure that stuff out to go make that happen. At the end of the day, none of this is about showing somebody that you're the best candidate for you can beat out five other people. Like when it comes to advertising stuff, I would say that I'm not the best marketer. Justin is an incredible marketer. I'm the technical guy. But if you put me up against other technical people, what are the different variations? Like we're all competing our resumes against one another. I don't win by saying that I know Google Analytics better than somebody else. I win because I ask people what they want to accomplish and say, here's some things I can help you with that can help you actually see the results that you're driving from these. And so that's the biggest thing is don't make it about you, make it about them. And you just insert your experiences that can be helpful and people want to work with you. So does that answer your question? It does. Absolutely. You know, you hear people say that everyone is always playing this track in their head called, you know, what's in it for me. And it's so true. Now, John, of course, Donating money to a cause can be done in a split second, but the way that you choose to donate your time and really develop relationships with people, helping them to grow, I'm sure that it takes a ton of energy, not to mention the opportunity cost of that time that you give. So can you talk about the role that giving in this way plays in your life and how it impacts you on a personal level to be able to do so? Yeah, I'll tell you the dark side of this. The way I give is that 95% of people never follow through on the information that you give them. That's what's most frustrating for me is I see people who ask for help with their resumes because I love doing that. And they'll send me one. I'll go through and suggest some things about how you can do this with your cover letter, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll turn around and be like, well, that was too much work. Or they'll be like, well, my mom got me an opportunity over here. I was like, but that's not what you told me that you wanted to do. You said you wanted to do this. Now you're taking the easy way out. Or they'll send me back a resume for the next one because they didn't get this one. And I'll see that they never made those changes. So that's the hard part of this. I put in a lot of time and effort and energy, and I don't see a return on it. But that's all counterbalanced by the one person who actually latched on to this. And now they've got a job at whatever company they wanted to work for because they got enough. They showed this, and now they know for the rest of their lives, they've changed the trajectory for the rest of their life because now they got an opportunity. If you get a job at Google, the chances of you getting a job at another great company, if you want to leave, are astronomically higher than if you went and sold you know, merchandise at a store. And like, it's just those things of seeing that people change the trajectory of their lives because they got really great opportunities they can continue to build on. That's what I love about it. And so it's one of those things while I invest a lot of time and my true ROI in a lot of these circumstances is not high. It's kind of like betting on startups, nine fail and one succeed. And that's all just comes down to who are willing to put in the time and the effort. But when you see that one succeed, it's worth 20-fold, whatever, everything else. And so I don't know if that answers your question, but that's definitely kind of how I look at my ROI from my effort spent. It definitely does. So John, when you think back on everything that you've done, could you share with us you know, just one thing that has been you know, one of your most meaningful experiences of giving or of mentoring someone? Do you mind if I talk about you? 
<laughs> no, not at all. Okay. So Dorothy is probably the person that I love seeing flourish the most. It was really cool because when we started, we talked to maybe a year ago, there was some, you'd had a lot of great training and you were, you had some experience, but you, you didn't, you kind of doubted yourself, right? There was, there was a sense of doubt there. And we got on the phone a couple of times and just chatted. And there were some things that I taught you. I was like, Hey, maybe you can help me with this, with this agency we're forming, blah, blah, blah. And what was cool is you start to build confidence. And when you build confidence and you start to build cash flow, and that's the biggest thing, like that's what we're changing our entire approach with ad skills about right now is seeing you have to make things clear. And there's so much sense of overwhelm in the world that we're in. There's a million things that you're told you should be doing. What we really try and focus on is putting on the blinders and focusing on like, this is what you're great at, or this is what you could be great at, or this is what you like to do. And hopefully all three of those things intersect. But once you start to like tune out the noise and just say, screw it, this is the only thing I'm going to focus on. And you really start to get confident in what you're doing. Then people will start to pay you for it. And you'll be like, hey, there's money to be had here. I really enjoy this. This is exciting. There's good things. And that builds more confidence, which builds more cash flow. And so it's like all these pieces of the woman that I met nine months, a year ago is totally different than the one that I see on the screen right now. Just from the fact of like, you know, you can tell when there's people that have the it factor. You've always had the it factor. It's really just looking at it now and saying, I believe in myself. And you've had lots of very successful people tell you this. There's no doubt about that. But I think it was just helping you see the value of yourself. And I don't know how much I did that, but I think hopefully something that I said along the way helped you kind of crack the glass and be like, wow, I'm really great at what I do. And this is something that I'm excited to go through and share and help other people. That's when it's really rewarding is just to say, this is cool to see the ROI from your perspective. It's not about me making money. It's about you doing better. You know, you're doing good and doing well at the same time. I'm flattered. Definitely that you took the question that direction. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons that I was so excited to have you on the show is because the way that you give back, it can seem intangible when you're just hearing about it. But, you know, having experienced it, you're absolutely right. You know, I was in a very shaky place. You know, when we first met, I'd had, you know, some wins here and there, but, you know, really had not kind of come into my own with my business. And when we were working together and and you were teaching me, you know, a number of different things, I kept having this feeling of, you know, gosh, like, what is he getting out of this? I feel like this is a very kind of one-sided value relationship. And what I realized is that you really just do have this incredible heart for giving. And it's that, that I think, not only helps you in the mentorship piece of it, but you know it also shows up in the way that you operate your client services business and the way that you teach your courses and how you show up for ad skills students. And really, when you have that sort of deep, heartfelt integrity, but something that people really recognize. And so you know, I know that I'm very grateful to know you. So thank you for saying all that. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. And I think what's important for people to understand is I didn't do anything. Like you did all the work. It was just cool to see the opportunity to once again peel back the lid so you can do it yourself. Like that was all that this was about. I did nothing. Like I didn't even introduce you to people. It was just one that you saw all the things that I was like, hey, you're really good at this. Just make sure like this is something you should talk about. Or you can go through and build these dashboards for people and we get excited and blah, blah, blah. 
those are little tiny things that I think just helped reinforce the confidence for you. Get that cash flow there and be at that point where you love what you were doing. Mm-hmm. That's it. And so I think that's really important. And I appreciate all the compliments. It's exciting. That's what I found is the genuine part. When you operate from a genuine circumstance, I don't know if I'm ever going to be a billionaire. I doubt it. And I would, you know, I'd love at some point if I made a lot of money on something. But at the end of the day, what's most important to me is I can make an awesome living doing what I love and being appreciated by the people that we serve. And so I think that's what's, what's exciting is, you know, Robin doesn't have to be Batman, but if you can be happy being Robin, I love life and I'm excited about that. So that's just kind of a, the mentality I bring to the game. I hope that everyone listening really takes that perspective to heart. So John, thank you for everything that you've shared with us today. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. So I'd like to move into what I call the impact round. So I'm going to ask you a series of short questions and I'd like for you to just respond with the first answer that pops into your head. Ready? All right. So who has been the most impactful person in your journey to do well? My mom. All right. And who has been the most impactful person in feeding your drive to do good and give back? Sorry, that was my mom. The do do good uh, woman named Kim Fedor is my mentor. Okay. And when you're having a bad day or you're in a rough headspace, what do you do to get yourself out of the funk? Talk to my wife. She's incredible and helps me get out of those things. She helps me get out of the house, which is usually the double whammy. And what book do you find yourself recommending to people most often? Blink. What is one thing on your bucket list? Australia. Very good. And lastly, John, what is the worst piece of advice you received related to success? And then on the flip side, what's the best piece of advice that you would give to our listeners? The whole thing about hustle and do it, be in it for yourself. I think that's a terrible piece of advice. Best piece of advice is really learn how to talk to your customers. I think the biggest thing in the world that we live in is everything's so digital. We see it from, I mean, I communicate pretty much solely out of gifts now on Facebook. Like I don't even write words, right? (laughs) It's just like, that's how most people communicate. But understanding that if you can do video calls with your clients or sit down with customers and learn how to read, not just what they're saying, but their, their actual like their body language and what's going on, Those things make way bigger difference if you hit on truly emotional things outside of what you're asking someone. That's how you make a difference to people, whether that be selling a product online, building a great relationship that's going to help you cut the line. You don't do any of those things out of desire to help yourself. You do it because you want to help them. And down the road, the kind of the the law of the world is people like to reciprocate. And so that's just something that helps you get... You never did it with that intention, but it's something that happens to work out. Powerful words. So John, lastly, before we say goodbye, where can our listeners go to learn more about you, follow your content, your ad skills courses, all of that jazz? I would say just check out adskills.com. And if you'd like to find me, LinkedIn or Facebook are the two easiest ways to reach me. Uh, John Belcher, pretty plain and simple. And you know what we're really big on is helping people. If you've got a great mission that you want to use some type of advertising, in order to help amplify it. You know, it's really hard to do anything anymore without paying to get your message out there. That's really what we focus on teaching people. And we start by helping them have clarity, build confidence and understand how to build cash flow. And then the game's on from there. Well, we will absolutely link to all of that in the show notes. So John, thank you so much for all of the value you've brought today and and for being on the show. I appreciate it. Love to be in here. Thanks so much. 
Well, everyone, that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us and for giving me the gift of your attention. If you would like to learn from others looking to go to the next level of professional and financial success and to make a massive impact on the world, join the free Do Well and Do Good Facebook community. We are having a blast in there and would love for you to come along for the ride. Head to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook to join. That's dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook. In the group, you'll also find a link to my calendar where we can schedule a time to chat one-on-one about your goals, your ambitions, and how I can make this show more valuable to you. I'll see you there.